0: Either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? (laughs) You waste all our film. It's so bad. Well, we definitely have quantity uh, again this week. Quality? Some. And we'll find (laughs) it. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Let's start with the biggest, highest profile release this week, a biochemist, Michael Morbius tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism. Instead, it's Morbius. I have powers
1: that can only be described as superhuman. But there's a cost. Now, I face a choice to hunt and consume blood. Or die. We all have monsters within us. It's up to us to control it. What if I can't? Just
0: accept who you are. The bad guy. Well, this is one that's been, what, at least two years in coming? Yeah. Been waiting on this one. I know the Marvel fans have. This is another one, another character that we were not really familiar with. We're not really comic book people. And I think it's those people that that are going to be most let down by this uh because it's just it's just not a very good movie. You know, we're in talking about what
1: we're talking about early on is that, you know, it's it's too bad that Sony um it, it, a lot of people complained also that the Venom movies were not rated R. And and this property in particular is too bad that Sony couldn't have looked at what they accomplished with Deadpool with a very R rating and said, "Let's go for that." Because it's a movie, uh, it's a vampire movie. Yeah. And there's no blood.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the things about it. Of course, uh, Jared Leto plays Michael Morbius, who is a he was born a, a, a genius. He had a genius mind and a and a frail body with this DNA. He's like missing a DNA or something. They explain it, and he's he's afflicted with this. But he's but he's a genius. Becomes a doctor at nineteen, and he ends up doing research with costa rican vampire bats and getting a breakthrough that gives him these superpowers but yet to keep them he has to ingest blood and first of all he gets by on artificial blood but then he realizes that each time the the effect only lasts shorter and shorter amount of time and he realizes that the clock is ticking because there's going to come a time soon where the artificial blood isn't going to cut it and he doesn't really want to kill people to get that blood but His longtime childhood best friend, who he met while he was getting treatment for this affliction, this DNA affliction, because he has it too. Uh, Milo, his best friend, who's played by Matt Smith of Doctor Who, he wants the cure, and he's totally fine with the side effects of killing people. That's fine. There's a big conflict there. And you're right. It's about blood, because then there's a vampire killer on the loose, and when these people get killed, you don't see the blood being spilled. So... I I get it. The studio probably demanded a PG-13 rating. Oh, there's no question. And they got it. But that's one of the things that stands out that just makes this a messy movie that just seems disjointed from the start. And it seems like it doesn't embrace what it wants to be, what it could be, which is ironic because that's one of the messages of the movie. Milo keeps telling Morbius, "You're, you're a bad guy. Just embrace it. Well... I kept thinking, man, if this would have had an R rating and just gone for it, you know, gone for the jugular, pun intended, mm-hmm. that could have been something else. But that's one of the things. But as we've said many times, it always starts with the script. And this does as well. And it's a bad script. And unfortunately, you look at the writers, and it's a writing team that has been responsible for just some God,
1: awful, awful terrible.
0: movies. Gods of Egypt. Drac-
1: Dracula Untold. Yeah, bad I mean, movies. these are
0: bad, Yes, bad movies. So that's where it starts. The direction doesn't really help. The director is Daniel, Daniel es- Espinosa, uh, who did Safe House. He did Life. They're both fine. Yeah, but it, everything seems rushed about this movie. It, it seems to just check off boxes, especially in a superhero origin story, on its way to Becoming part of the right now very super cool and hip Spider Man universe. It wants to sit at that cool kid's table so bad without putting in the character development work that is required to make us care about this character once it really becomes part of that, which we think it's going to. It certainly wants to. It wants to have Morbius face off with Spider Man at some point, but we've got to care. Yeah. We've got to care about that. And not just have it seem like a side character, which even with his own movie here, that's what it does. That's what it does seem like. And also, in watching the trailer again, there are some minor and major parts of that trailer that do not make it into the movie. I'll, I'll just say that. But,
1: but would have made for a more interesting yes. movie. Yes.
0: One of them is a, a little humorous part, a little humorous aside that Morbius says that doesn't make it, which would have been welcome. Because there's very little humor in this movie, especially... Through the character, they try to add some with a couple of detectives who are investigating these vampire killings, and the one of them, one's played by Tyrese Gibson, and the other one is Al Madrigal, right? Who's a comic? He's funny, yeah, and he (laughs) adds tries to add some some comic element to it, but it just it doesn't work in so many different ways. Uh, The editing is rushed as well; it takes these big jumps that are sort of knee jerk. Now, let's get to the effects, the effects, and I've seen a lot of social media posts about this today. Um, I, I was impressed by the effects of the, the really quickly morphing faces and hands. goes really quick back and forth between the monster and, and a hu- regular human face. I thought those were pretty cool. Once it got to the battles and the all CGI between Milo and Morbius and flying through the air and everything like that, that to me, that got too close to Van Helsing and that ridiculousness from yeah. all those types of movies. Yeah. I thought so. So the effects didn't really work for me either. There were certain sequences, again, mostly with those facial uh, morphings that I, that I thought worked. But it's really a mess of a movie at the very heart of what needs to be strong in every movie. And that is storytelling. Right. It's just not there. We've got to care about this character first uh, before we care where he's going. And, of course, there are a couple extra scenes. And even that's rushed. I mean, usually you have to wait a little bit into the credits. They wait like 30 seconds, maybe, before you get the first one. And then about halfway through, you get another one. Uh, And there's nothing at the very, very end, just to let you know. But you'll probably, if you're going to go, you probably want to sit around and and at least wait for those two because it gives you an idea of where they certainly want to go. They're very clear about where they want to be, what table they want to sit at. But, boy, it's it's just not developed very well. So a disappointment. And, again, I think it's going to be probably... The most disappointed, the most disappointed group will be those those fans that have been fans of this character for a while now. Because I didn't, I wasn't even aware of this character to be honest with you. I wasn't until the last two years when we've been hearing about this movie. So, uh, really a disappointment, pretty much in all aspects. But it's in theaters now. People and- are
1: saying though now they're what? saying that, which is a little bit funny because both of the films. Are not in the sort of traditional envelope of DC oh, and yeah. Marvel, yeah. but they are saying that Jared Leto now stars in the worst DC and the worst Marvel uh, film.
0: Yeah, uh, the DC would be su- the, suicide the Suicide Squad, squad correct? Yeah, the yeah. First one. that was bad. It was. That bad. was bad, and this one's not very good either. And it's Morbius now in the theaters. An action thriller next coming to theaters and VOD. A discharged U.S. Special Forces Sergeant James Harper risks everything for his family when he joins a private contracting organization. It's called The Contractor. What did we do, Mike? I've got an extraction team, Brown BMW x one Comply? I'll do that when you confirm who you're working for. You work for me.
2: you got to trust me. I am trying to help you. Oh, we're working for the president
0: of a corporation. Get in the car! They train us to run their errands, kill their enemies, and kill each other.
1: He's going to come after you with everything he's got.
0: I'm going home.
1: It is exactly as exciting as that title makes it
0: <laughs> But it reunites a couple, a, a, a great tandem from one of our favorite films of the last several years, Hell or High Water, so Mm -hmm. you get Chris Pine back with Ben Foster.
1: Right, yeah. We did love Hell or High Water. What a great movie that was and what a great pairing those two were. They played brothers in that film Mm -hmm. and in this film they play sort of, you know, figurative brothers. They are combat veterans who always had each other's backs Um, and both of them, I mean, Ben Foster is one of the best actors working today. He's just, he's just phenomenal in everything. But
0: always under the radar. People just, he's probably a guy that People know his face, but not his name. Yeah. But he is. He's so, so good. And and I've been singing Chris Pine's praises
2: for years.
1: Yeah. As I always say, he's, I think, the most underappreciated of Hollywood's Chris's. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and, and both of them deserve a better film than this. So Chris Pine's character, he gets drummed out of the service. He gets forced into early retirement because after five or six tours of duty, his body is just too beat up. They won't let him continue on. Uh, but... He, he has some uh, financial problems at home, and so against his wife's best goals for the family, he takes this job, a contractor job. And
0: his wife is played by Jillian Jacobs, yeah, who I, I like.
1: Completely underwritten.
0: Yeah. Like, just not Those a good role. Those wife role roles, are, oh, roles so Thankless. Off. Yeah, they really are.
1: Yeah. Uh, ben Foster, uh, you know, gets him into this gig that he has with Kiefer Sutherland, who runs his company and explains to him that, the, you know, they're just doing the good work, they're just targeting bad guys, and of course... Not long into the the very first mission, things go terribly wrong, and he has to figure out how to, you know, get back to his family and how to, you know, who's who's double-crossing whom. Right. But it's just such a by-the-numbers, you know, this type of movie. You've seen this exact same movie sure. 500 times. Yeah. Just maybe not with this much talent behind it. But there's just, there's absolutely nothing that sets this film apart from probably six movies I've seen in the last six months.
0: Except when you're working for Kiefer Sutherland, I'm guessing that, yeah, he's, he's not a good guy. <laughs> that's, that's probably... The first flag. That writer, J.P. Davis, director Tarek Sala, And that is uh, in theaters now. It's also it's also on VOD, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. this week. If you want to check it out, it is The Contractor. <laughs> A true crime drama next in theaters. Uh, events leading up to the 1996 Port Arthur Massacre on Tasmania in an attempt to understand why and how the atrocity occurred. This is called Nitrum. not doing
2: any harm. Believe it be.
1: The man was a misfit, a loner,
2: an oddball, a weirdo.
1: Stop it! Stop it! Stop 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 it. Stop What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Yeah.
0: And if you're wondering about that title, it's Martin spelled backwards. And Martin is the main character. And this is by filmmaker who really excels at this true crime stuff.
1: Yeah, Justin Kersel, who works again with Sean Grant. The two of them made maybe, I mean, for my money, the best true crime film you're ever going to find. A few years ago, 2011, called Snowtown. So good. And they they reteam for this but actually they did the the, Kelly gang. the true history of the Kelly gang a few years yeah, ago.
0: also based on true history and great, really good.
1: Australian. Australian. They're very focused on Australian <laughs> crime history. They are, yeah. And this one is just as well directed, it's just as well written as as the previous two and it benefits from an absolutely stunning cast beginning with Caleb Landry Jones. So we just talked about Ben Foster and how he's just a remarkable uh actor and everything. Caleb Landry Jones as well. He's a he's just a gift. And it's funny, he's also quite a chameleon, and you wouldn't necessarily expect that because he's an unusual looking person. He
0: is. He has a very unique look, but he is able to morph into a different sort of role. Yeah, that he, you rightly pointed out in your written review.
1: Yeah, he absolutely does, and he does here. And he's one of the things that he does, he he comes off in almost everything as a bit of an outsider, but there is he just carries about him so much tenderness mm-hmm. that you really you are so compelled to 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 care what happens to him even when his own behavior is monstrous and boy that benefits this role uh, tremendously.
0: Yeah, and it's not just Caleb Landry, Landry Jones, you've also got Judy Davis, you've got Essie Davis and Anthony Lapaglia yeah. in the ensemble, which is great.
1: They're so good. They're so wonderful. All of them are. Um and especially Judy Davis, who is who is She's so strong in everything, and she plays the young man's mother, and it's a beautiful, nuanced, tough performance in a tough. Tough movie. It's it yeah. is it is a hard movie to watch. Yeah,
0: you should know that going in because it's uh, it's an atrocity that really happens. So no, that it is a tough movie to watch. But if you're if you like this sort of stuff, and I know a lot of people love the true crime.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that that these two filmmakers do so well, it's very insightful. It's never exploitative. Right. They're they they do not dwell on the lurid. They don't take any kind of joy in anybody's pain. Mm-hmm. The pain of this man that caused him. You know, I think that's one of the things that the film really does is point out how. Kind of it takes a village to create a monster.
0: Right, exactly. And that is called Nitrum, Martin spelled backwards, and it's in theaters and also on some streaming services uh, this weekend, starting this weekend, right now. Well, let's do a hard left turn next for a horror comedy. A young supermarket worker discovers his older brother is a vampire and has to choose whether to help him or slay him in Let the Wrong One In.
2: Why are you trying to kill me brother? And why'd you have a follow at a woman who bit me in the neck?
1: The woman who bit you is my fiancée, Sheila. She was a vampire, and you are, because you got bitten by her. I want you to teach me how to kill vampires. Sheila's having a party tonight. We could finish this once and for all. Get up! Don't Go, 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 go! You do know that you've killed a lot of people? You're making me out to be a monster. I always think we should roll. You've got blood on your hands now. What? You've got blood on your hands. You should wash them. We were excited about this one. First of all, that title. How much did you love that title? Love
0: the title because it's so descriptive. It lets you know. It it, it clues you in right away in five words what you're going to get. Let the wrong one (laughs) in. Okay, it's about vampires and it's going to be silly.
1: And then the other thing that excited us, it's the same filmmaker who made Stitches, yes uh, an Irish horror comedy from probably at least 10 years ago about a clown that we love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, writer-director Conor McMahon, and I'll tell you, Irish, oh boy, (laughs) (laughs) some of these really do. We joke about that a lot with some films that have strong accents to them. Even though they're speaking the English language, you need some captions. This one I really and truly did (laughs) for some (laughs) because the Irish brogues are thick. But that, it, that adds to the fun, and this one is just such silly fun as this vampire outbreak happens in—well, it starts, of course it starts in Transylvania with a, what they call a hen party, with a bachelorette party. And then it comes back over to the, to the Emerald Isle, and there are vampires, and they have to call in the, the, the one uh, man's brother, who is bitten— And becomes a vampire, and he tells him, you know, you're a vampire. What are you insinuating? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that you're a vampire. So anyway, they call him this doctor who's also a vampire hunter, who's played by Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and who I also, as they say, I was today years old when I found out that he's the brother of Murray Head, who did that (laughs) One Night in Bangkok song. Remember that? I do. Yeah, they're brothers. Anyway. So it's just nutty. It's so blood splattered, goofy gore and blood everywhere. And if if you like that sort of thing, you will like this. I mean, don't don't think what we do in the shadows so much because this is more working class. This is more low rent and 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 seedy than that. But it is fun. There are some some long stretches too that maybe weren't so funny, but Overall, if you're excited by that title and what it represents, Let the Wrong One In, I think you're going to like this because it's just stupid, bloody, gory vampire fun. Let the Wrong One In, and you can find that one on in, in theaters, in theaters only right now. I would expect this would come to streaming pretty soon. I would It seems so. perfect for streaming. But right now in theaters, Let the Wrong One In. It's fun. <laughs> Next is a family drama in theaters. After a lifetime of trouble, a man has the chance to turn things around with the love and support of his family. As he tries to do right, he finds himself spiraling back into the dark place he overcame. It's called The Devil You Know.
1: Your brother's implicated in an investigation? I think you know more than you're letting on. You think it was me?
0: I don't know where you get off thinking that you can't trust me.
2: With those dudes, you can get caught up in something you can't say no to. What are you doing in my house?
1: If they get desperate, they're going to say that your ass was dead. I got something to tell you. I don't want to hear this right now. Anyone in your family want to talk to the cops? Tell them someone's going to be put there. Did you talk to the cops, Marcus? The more
0: missteps you make, the more messy it gets. This is from writer director Charles Murray, who's got most of his resume in TV, working on Luke Cage, working mm-hmm. on Sons of Anarchy, now trying to move up to doing his own features. And there is a lot of potential here. Um, Even though it has certainly some uneven spots, he shows a good handle on the nuance of of, of family. You know, it made me think of Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious movies just staring into the cameras and family over and over, trying to get points across that this movie gets across with real actual scenes and dialogue and interaction of some good actors. Because this man, Marcus, played by Omar Epps, who's also one of the uh, executive producers, He's an ex-con and he's a recovering alcoholic trying to get his life together, coming home, got a new job, got a new girlfriend, things are looking good. And then at sort of a homecoming party for him, he discovers something that appears to link one of his brothers to this really horrific home invasion murder that happened around their L.A. area there that they see on the news. So then he's got the crisis, crisis of conscience. Should he say anything? or keep it to himself, and then you've got the almost a Cain and Abel thing going on between himself and the brother who seems to be falling in with uh, the wrong crowd, as they say, these couple of uh, small-time hoods in the neighborhood. And so it sets that conflict up well. The The ensemble includes a couple of great veteran actors, um, Glenn Turman and Vanessa Bell Calloway, and the cast also features Michael Ely as the detective who is nosing around thinking that uh, Marcus knows more than he does. Michael Ealy is also an executive producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there are some strong moments here. There's a, It's one of those movies where you think, boy, there's a really good movie in here trying to get out. It, unfortunately, the pace starts to drag. It repeats some of its themes and its lessons over and over, and it, you really start to feel that two-hour runtime. It just needs trimmed a little bit. But there's, there's talent here, I think, Murray does have some, some really compelling features in him, and he's, he's on, on the way there. And this is a, a decent start. doesn't completely become as compelling as it could be, but there's some decent storytelling here in sort of a, a, a biblical allegory of Cain and Abel playing out in L.A. It's called The Devil You Know, and it is out in theaters now. Well, next, we're always glad to see Numi Rapace, and she's back in this one, in an isolated mountain village in 19th century Macedonia, A young girl is kidnapped and then transformed into a witch by an ancient spirit. This is called You Won't Be Alone.
1: There's a lot to like about this movie. It's got a very Terrence Malick quality about it. There is dialogue. There are conversations. But mostly the whole film takes place sort of as uh, we, we watch this girl who is now a teen and sort of wandering through the world after a childhood of isolation entirely on her own. And she's a shapeshifter. And so she just sort of takes on a form and takes takes part uh, in the life of this these different villages and just examines what's happening. It's very interesting in that way. And a lot of what we hear are just her voice in her mind mm-hmm. as she's kind of going over what's happening. And it does have a very Malick kind of a quality to it, as if it, if he were to make a horror film, actually. And it looks beautiful, as you might imagine, somebody who clearly is a big fan of that filmmaker. It also gets a bit frustrating because uh, there are times where you just feel like nothing. We're, we need to move. We need to move <laughs> a little bit, and where it is, it feels uh, like it's it's almost overwhelmed by style. Mm-hmm. The performance is more than overcome that. Númi Rapace is great, but she's not alone. I mean, the the cast, top to bottom, do, they do a wonderful job of articulating this girl as she ages and as 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 her um, sort of socialization and her experiments in in the human life sort of change who she is and how she interacts. Everybody does a great job. And again, it's a beautiful movie. It will frustrate some people. It's very slow-moving.
0: Slow-moving, yeah. Atmospheric. Yes. We've been talking a lot about folk horror in the last uh, few weeks and months. I think this would fall into that as well. Yes. With the witches and the setting and things like that. Absolutely. And also, a a term I wasn't really familiar with... uh, Wolf eateress, Or is that what, they, yes. that what they call it? Yeah, interesting.
1: That's yeah, that's what this Macedonian village that's how they refer to this urban legend, mm-hmm. but the who isn't, who is actually a real person. Yeah. That's, the Wolf eaterus.
0: What Wolf eateress? I like that. And that's the writer director Goran Stolevsky in theaters now called You Won't Be Alone. How about another thriller centered around a dinner party in a country house that sees four friends come together for a birthday celebration? But as the night progresses, secrets emerge and unsettling events begin to unfold around them. This is Barbarians.
2: This is part of the American psyche. The love of guns and violence well, well, well. is the only realistic form of self defense. Lucas! Run! While we're celebrating.
1: It's a complete moment. Stop! I'll just shoot them to death. I would actually love to go for a hunt one day. This one starts off as just your your sort of, you know, traditional comedy of manners. A very dark comedy where a dinner party becomes more and more and more uncomfortable mm-hmm. as things come out and people get you know passive aggressive and mean and and part of what doesn't necessarily work in that context is that the four people around the table are to varying degrees of despicable you don't <laughs> really like or root for any of them. And then, quite suddenly, the movie becomes a home invasion thriller. Yeah. Um, and that there are some moments where that feels like that's going to work out really well. They're, as you love, they're the guys in masks. They've got animal masks. Animal masks, yeah. And, uh, and they're a bit um, dramatic and have a lot of flourish about them. They don't talk at all. They do seem menacing. And that scene, the first home invasion scene where that kind of breaks the mood of this of this dinner party, that works out really well. And then the movie just peters out. Yeah. It, it it abandons all of the themes, all of the themes and character develop, that, development that, it, that we've been through for the first two-thirds of the film in favor of a very traditional sort of horror thriller. And it just doesn't fit together at all.
0: Yeah, the writer-director Charles, co-writer and director Charles Dorfman. And I find it interesting it's just labeled as a thriller because my guess is they're... At least for part of the movie, they're trying for dark comedy. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, but uh, it just, as you said, just peters out, especially when it makes that stylistic turn and doesn't really do it successfully. It's in theaters and VOD right now called Barbarians. Got the latest from Shudder next. An anxious shut-in moves into a haunted apartment, hiring a stranger to perform an exorcism, which quickly takes a horrific turn. This is called Night's End.
2: Are there any weird bloodstains on the floor? Like blood-curdling screams in the hallway. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but the only weird screams are mine.
0: People are leaving comments saying it's all just a big hoax. It looks like I'm hiding something.
2: You did have a nervous breakdown. Something happened.
1: When did you start drinking again? It's really happening. Fine. None of it is fake. One, hurry.
0: made me have the most horrifying nightmares it was great well this has two people where we always want to know what they're doing actor michael shannon and filmmaker jennifer reader
1: right and so we're on board right away jennifer reader is the director here and just a few years ago she made knives and skin if you haven't seen it do it now it is absolutely amazing this movie has her very keen sense of style it has a great look about it an amazing use of color she didn't write it however and i'm i'm sorry to say that the writing it's not it's not as if the i mean the dialogue is solid it's it's just that the story itself is pretty unimaginative he moves into an apartment he's a shut-in so everything it's clearly a covid uh production Mm -hmm. everything is on zoom everything is is He's on one screen. Somebody else is on another screen. Then there's a bunch of people on the screen. Sometimes that works out really well. The movie Host did it beautifully, right. brilliantly. It was very unnerving. Mm-hmm. This one feels like they've borrowed another story where you move into an apartment and you find out that it's haunted, and then it actually even more borrowed in the sort of this online haunters kind of a situation. The performances are all great. Michael Shannon, of course, is hala- he's hilarious. Actually,
0: <laughs> I love when he does comedy. I know
1: he. I do too. He's just this super goofy character. And all of the performances really are quite good. It's just that the story itself doesn't go anyplace interesting or new. It looks great.
0: And we also should say that our friend Mike Olenek, who often works with Jennifer Reeder, is the editor.
1: Yeah. And and you know what else? There's a great score. There is a great score that does a a good job of sort of combining the classic haunted house sort of pipe sounds with the hum of technology and is very evocative. And it does. It looks wonderful. It's just that in the end, I felt a little bit let down because... I, the storyline simply wasn't very imaginative. And
0: that is on Shudder now called Night's End. Also out on VOD this week, a Georgian wrestler travels to Brooklyn to help his son out of a gambling debt. It's called Brighton Fourth. <laughs> By Georgian, we don't mean the state of Georgia. We mean the country.
1: (laughs) Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com. He loved it. You know, it's, it's a film that on the surface is about the immigrant and their struggle in the United States. And instead of being grim and gritty, it's incredibly hopeful. It's very funny. And it just shows how humans really can be lovely people. And it's really quite optimistic and, and just charming and sweet. He which, loved it.
0: Yeah, which is actually nice to see right now. Right, that it is. when given the chance, people's instinct will be to help someone. Right. And it's good to see that and good to feel that. Is that still true? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you can check out uh, Brandon's full review at MadWolf.com. That's on VOD right now, Brighton 4th. A documentary next chronicles the experience of a citizen of Mauritania who was imprisoned at the Guantanamo Bay facility from 2002 to 2016, accused by American authorities of aiding al-Qaeda. This is Guantanamo Diary Revisited. My name is Mohammed ur I'm
1: from Mauritania. I was detained in Guantanamo Bay, kidnapped from my country and detained. I was subjected to torture.
0: I soon found out that Mohammed had a reason he wanted to see me. He's not finished with what happened to him at Guantanamo. He has a plan. And I suddenly realize he thinks that I, as an American journalist, can actually help him. His plan is that I should go out and find them for him. Now, if that sounds familiar, this is the same story that was adapted into the movie The Mauritanian, I believe, just last year. But now it's out in documentary form by director John Getz. And uh, the review was written at MadWolf.com by Tori Haynes, who found it very, well, obviously unnerving because this gets into some ugly business.
1: It does. But I think what she liked the best about it was that it it kind of flips the story. This is actually a film about forgiveness. Yes. That this man who yes. he believes that the greatest revenge is to forgive yeah. all of his captors. And, and that's amazing. It. It that is they amazing. go
0: to try to track down the captors who tortured him.
1: Yes. And, yeah. and, it, and it turns into an interesting sociological experiment about how how the people who are responsible for it in the long-term behave, what their, their long-term trauma yeah. is. But in the end, the, the, what you'll take away from it is just really the power of forgiveness.
0: Yeah. And again, Tori's review is up at MadWolf.com now. It's on VOD called Guantanamo Diary Revisited. And one more. Let's go time traveling. Working in their garage, indie entrepreneurs Madeline and Owen discover the secret of time travel. There's only one hitch. A bug in the code creates a new copy of Madeline at the same time every day. It's called Madelines.
2: Doc Brown experiment. Human test. Trial one. Did you make some kind of mistake? I didn't make a mistake. I created a loop. It wasn't supposed to execute. It was just in case the script got hung up. You compiled the code incorrectly. That's the only way to look at it. 3,600 versions of me are going to show up every day at the same time. We have to kill the Madelines as they show up.
1: We've got it all under
2: control. Clearly, you don't. (sighs) I feel like the next thing you're going to say is, you're going to kill me. No, darling. I'm your wife.
0: This is out on VOD now on the full review by Christy Robb at madwolf.com. And if right away you heard Time Travel and Garage, you thought as we did, primer. Right. Okay, understandable, but this goes off in a different direction entirely.
1: It absolutely does. Of course it it uh, it becomes a completely different and really a horror film is what it becomes as they are dealing with a new clone every single day for but something a, like, But a
0: horror comedy. Right. Yeah.
1: But something for something like uh, 3000 I mean there are thousands of Madelines coming. It's going to keep going on for a very long time and how are they going to deal with that? You
0: know, you know what I'm going to say. There was a Flintstone episode. <laughs> <laughs> but there was there was a one where there's a ton of friends. Anyway, go ahead.
2: <laughs>
1: it's a very interesting premise. And uh, it often delivers, but not enough, not often enough. And in the end, it just sort of feels like it's given short shrift. Christy Robb uh, wanted to like it, liked the performances, but in the end had to just say, you know what? I'm interested in seeing what these guys do next.
0: Yeah, co-writer and star is Bria Grant, who I've liked in 12 Hours Shift. And then she was also wrote and starred in a movie called Lucky that I liked. So, yeah. Uh, I, I knew I knew her name and that she did some good stuff, so she's involved in this as well. Director is Jason Richard Miller. But the fun with time travel, a little horror thrown in there, too. <laughs> and you can get uh, Christie's review at madwolf.com. But usually we say Simpsons did it. And this, in this case, it's Flintstones. <laughs> it. But uh, Mad Lions is out on VOD now. All right, play that song.
2: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.
0: Back in the lobby, getting caught up with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlucketeer, for all the news and notes. What do you got?
2: Well, RLJE Films is releasing Riley Stern's new sci-fi dark comedy, Duel, into theaters on April 15th. And then on April 22nd, um, Celine Siama's Petite Maman* will see limited theatrical release, courtesy of Neon. Then Hulu will premiere their Samara Weaving and Eugenio Derbez starring rom-com The Valet* on May 20th. Sony's Mark Rylant, starring sports comedy The Phantom of the Open, will arrive in theaters on June 3rd in limited release, and then mostly in New York and L.A. then, and then platform to other markets as Gene continues to unfold.
0: What uh, what open is that? Is that a golf or a tennis?
2: or? It's golf. It's apparently a story about, a, um, I guess, the British Open or one of them. Mm. I'm not super familiar with golf, but apparently someone worked his way into it and then had the worst round of golf in, his, in the history of the Open. So yeah, I think, it was, about that. I
0: think it was Kevin Costner and Cheech. <laughs> I, think, I think I saw that movie.
2: <laughs> uh, Shudder will release Phil Tippett's decades-in-the-making stop-motion animated film Mad God on June 16th, both on their service and in limited theatrical release. Then on July 6th, Netflix will put out a giant monster animated family adventure film called The Sea Beast. And then I have um, a couple of new project announcements for you that I thought were interesting. Okay. First up, uh, Eddie Murphy has set his next two films. The first will be Beverly Hills Cop 4 for Netflix. And then the second is a biopic of Godfather of Funk George Clinton. Oh
1: no way! (laughs) Yes. Oh how happy! I read
0: that. That is fantastic. (laughs) That is great. Love George Clinton so much, and that you know he did so. Eddie Murphy did such a great job with the Dolomite movie that I'm excited about that.
2: And then the other one was a surprise announcement this morning. Ethan Cohen, the other half of the Cohen brothers, is making his own solo directorial debut in The Lake of Joel's Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, He's going to. The movie he's directing is currently untitled, but it will reportedly be a Russ Mayer-inspired road trip exploitation action movie that oh he wrote a script for with his wife 15 years ago. Wow. wow. <laughs>
0: well, if it's a— Oh, I
1: couldn't be any more excited.
0: <laughs> if it's a sibling rivalry thing, Joel set the bar pretty yeah, high. he did. But, uh, this <laughs> right. sounds like a complete 180 on the content
2: department, but it uh, sounds fun. And that's all I've got for you on the news
0: front. Yeah, and I did see, though, that you posted a story that I found really interesting, uh, latest on the Bruce Willis thing. Of course, we touched on this a few weeks ago, and now the announcement has come out from the family that he's stepping away because he have has aphasia. And it sheds new light, obviously, on all these projects that he's taken, the several projects he's taken over the last few years, that I guess the conventional wisdom was, well, He was trying to build up a nest egg for when he knew he was going to stop working. But now word is coming out that maybe that's not the case.
2: Yeah, um, of course, that announcement came on um, what was Monday or Tuesday, wasn't it? And then we got that L.A. Times piece a day or two later, which I'm guessing was, I mean, it was clearly in the works for a while. And they Mm -hmm. probably gave the family time to make their announcement in conjunction with it but yeah it it uh it does not paint the best picture of uh, how his management team has run him for the last decade or so. No it does not. Um the filmmakers involved all sound like they did their best to work with him with his condition and uh protect him as best they could once he showed up on set in the state he was in mm-hmm. at whatever point in time but it definitely sounds like his handlers and a couple of the uh low budget um Production company uh, owners were uh, probably exploiting him yeah. more than it seemed like uh, he had been previously. Yeah, That's awful.
0: Yeah, it just made a sad story uh, even sadder. And uh, And I know, you know, Hope has given me crap for years for being a Bruce Willis fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I didn't realize in looking back at his career, he won an Emmy. Years ago, uh,
1: you know, it's funny to me that we totally missed that he was. Totally I mean, we missed. didn't really watch Friends that much, but you think I yeah. think that you would have learned that he was on it and he made you watch those. He four did a episodes. I don't know, three,
0: four, five episode arc on Friends back in the day and won an Emmy for it. Did you know that, Daniel?
2: Uh, I didn't know he won an Emmy for it, but I do. Um, I do remember his episodes of that. I don't think I saw all of them. The only one I remember was he was dating one of the yeah one of the girls yeah. Um, it it may have been Rachel.
1: Yeah, he,
0: he came on. He was the father of a young girl, a much younger girl that Ross was dating, and he was disapproving. Okay, that's what it was. And and then while he was on there, his character did start dating Rachel. Apparently, it was, it was around the time that he starred with Matthew Perry in those whole Nine Yards movies, and that Matthew Perry sense. got him to do it.
2: All I remember is there was a sequence where David Schwimmer is hiding under a bed, yes, and Bruce Willis is standing in front of a mirror singing, I'm just a love machine. Yeah,
0: that's exactly <laughs> That's exactly right. That's one of the clips that I looked up on YouTube here the last couple of days. So you got it exactly right, but but that one surprised me. But yeah, that's a uh, that's a sad story, and uh, we might hear hear more about that. But that uh, uh, was all, all, always good. I'm wearing my I'm wearing my Die Hard T-shirt today. You are.
2: But, he's uh, got he's got eight more movies left to release. Wow. But on a potential bright note, there. Um, of those eight, one of them was directed by Chuck Russell of Nightmare on Elm Street and The Mask and the Blob fame. Mm-hmm. And another was directed by a current um, indie action superstar director, Jesse B. Johnson. So hopefully yeah. at least those two will be uh, will be up to snuff. Yeah, and I also saw just
0: ones. today I saw the Razzies announce that they rescinded. Their their Bruce Willis awards uh, in mm-hmm. light of this, and I got to us talking that maybe isn't a time to just bury the Razzies. Yeah, for a maybe. long time it has. Yeah, been. yeah. I think I'm so. not
1: sure <laughs> there's any good point in having an industry who's who only serves to be mean and smug. That's that's all. That's all they're there for is to be mean and smug. Is that really necessary? Yeah,
0: but it was. I, I was glad to see that though in light of in light of all this. So uh, mm-hmm. you can always get stories like that, catch up on the latest news with Daniel. You can find him at the Schlocketeer. Thanks as always. Hey,
2: thanks for having me.
0: Looking ahead to next week, boy, one we've been dying to talk about. Everything, everywhere, all at once finally gets a wider release.
1: Also, Sonic the Hedgehog 2.
0: Haven't been as excited to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see. Maybe it'll change our minds and prove us wrong. Uh, Latest from Michael Bay called Ambulance.
1: All the Old Knives. movie called Cow. Agent Game. Coast. And Midnight.
0: All right, we've got, what, four one-word titles. We'll see how that works out. But in the meantime, what do you think? You think we were totally off base about Morbius? That's fine. Let us know. Always keep that conversation going. It's fun. You can find us on Twitter at madwolf.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook, it's MadWolfColumbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That is all there for you at madwolf.com. So keep in touch if you can. Always love to talk the movies. We'll uh, get in touch with a new batch next week. And until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner.
1: Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.